Greetings and welcome to In Tune with VHBC, a podcast about music and worship at Vestavia Hills Baptist Church. I'm Marty Watts, Minister of Music at VHBC. In today's episode, I'll talk with Beth McGinnis and share about the hymn, Gracious Spirit, Dwell With Me. If you haven't already done so, be sure to subscribe to this podcast so you won't miss any future episodes. Now let's get in tune. century plain song chant that has been paired with a 19th century hymn text, Gracious Spirit, Dwell With Me. Thomas Lynch was a Congregationalist minister in England serving small churches in the 19th century. In 1855, he published a collection of hymns called The Rivulet, A Contribution to Sacred Song. He gave the collection that title because, quote, for Christian poetry is indeed a river of life, and to this river my rivulet brings its contribution. The collection was actually controversial in its day because the poems include many references to nature, and the poetic style was more personal in tone and uncommon for its day. Each stanza of the hymn text begins with an adjective description of the Holy Spirit and then a prayer that we too would be empowered to take on that characteristic. Gracious Spirit, dwell with me. I would gracious be. Truthful Spirit, dwell with me. I would truthful be. Holy Spirit, dwell with me. I would holy be. Mighty Spirit, dwell with me. I would mighty be. The text itself has been altered to fit this plain chant tune from the 13th century. Many other hymnals pair the unaltered text with a different tune. Today's episode concludes with a choral arrangement of Gracious Spirit, Dwell With Me, written by Birmingham composer K. Lee Scott. The first three stanzas in this arrangement are written by Thomas Lynch, and the fourth stanza was written by the arranger himself. If you have a hymn to suggest for a future episode of the podcast, feel free to contact me at marty at vhbc.com. I'm very excited for this 40th episode of the Intune podcast to welcome our own Beth McGinnis. Hey, Beth. Hey, Marty. Thanks so much for doing this. It is my pleasure. And I want to say right at the outset, Marty, how much I appreciate this podcast and the work that you've done with it. I've told you in person before how much I appreciate your taking the two things that we've felt two of the main things that we felt, disconnection, um, each other, and, and just singing hymns together as a 
as a body, and you've put those into the podcast for us and kept us going with those. So thank you for that. Well, thank you. It's been um, it's been a joy to get to share in these conversations and to to learn about him, some things that I didn't know before, and to um, make make this available to our church family. So thank you for for your encouragement along the way as well. Well, um, so. Typically, I will ask people what they're involved with at church, and um, for a staff member, that's a little bit of a different question, but I'll I'll go ahead and say, um, tell us a little bit about what your involvement is at church, both as a staff person and then um, outside of those responsibilities. Sure. Well, I am the organist, and that means that I play for Sunday morning services and Wednesday night choir rehearsals. And um, over the years, that has entailed a lot of different things. But I I actually, I'd like to start um, answering that question with what with how my involvement in the church really began, and it was as a church member, and my work at the church grew from that in a really organic way. And so um, I really think of myself first as a church member and second as someone who works at the church. And so that's, um, it's an important distinction for me. And not everybody has the luxury of making that distinction, but I'm grateful that I do. Mm. So I actually came to the church as a college student. My husband recently um, told our church in a transition team testimony, he recently told how he drove a church van on Sunday mornings from Samford um, to pick people up at Samford and take them to church at Vestavia Hills. And I happened to ride that van, started riding it while he was driving it, and the rest, as they say, is history. And we got to know each other in the church as college students, got married, um, left, went away for a while in graduate school, and knew the whole time that it would be our dream come true if we could come back to Vestavia Hills Baptist Church and to Sanford, and we did both. And so as soon as we moved back, we joined the church right away. But um, that, that college Sunday school class gave us each other, um, and then as a result, our family. Um, it gave us some of our best friends in the world, enduring friendships that you know are still really close for us. And so my involvement started there. And um, as we've come back, I've done different things along the way. When our organist for uh, 38 years, Betty Sue Shepard, began to get sick in 2006, I started filling in um, for her at the organ. And I didn't play the organ. I had been a piano major. Um, she was my teacher in college at Sanford as a piano major. And um, so I I didn't play the organ. We had had organ lessons, but it didn't really take. And she told me that I could. Um, and she gave me some instructions about registrations and so forth and just told me I should practice. And so I did, and I started um, filling in for her and did that for about a year before I came before I became the organist. And um, over that, it's always been a part-time position, um, but I've also always, until the past several years, I've always um, put together several part-time things. And so I wasn't doing anything full-time. And um, in those first 10 years or so as organist, I had a chance to do various things at the church that I wanted to do as a member. So I was in um, 
I was in a group that studied um, contemplative prayer, and I started a music camp for kids, and that evolved into an arts camp um, that we ran for eight years, and it was just fantastic, probably the thing that I'm proudest of that I've done at the church. I've taught some yoga classes through the church, um, done chaperone the youth on um, trips and camps and things like that. So, you know, just various things that I really see myself having done as a member, not so much as a staff member. Mm-hmm. Well, and you're absolutely right about the, the privilege to um, to have have your staff position sort of evolve from your um, being a church member and... and um, and your your uh, perspective there is is such a great one because I think it um, not only does it give you the freedom to do those things as a church member, but it also has informed your work as a staff member, knowing that your um, participation as a staff member uh, comes from your being a church member first, and the way that you approach your work um, from a staff perspective. Uh, just uh, I think um, I'm a beneficiary of that. Uh, but our whole church family is a beneficiary of of that approach. So I'm I'm grateful for that and for the way that has sort of evolved through the years. Thanks. I I think that it's true of our staff in general that you know even if we're not um, e- even if our staff our full time staff you know um, they know, they know the perspective of being a church member. I've heard so many people talk about growing up in church music ministries and how that has um, has led to their participation, their involvement in music in the church now. But um, all of our staff grew up as church members. You know, we we didn't start out as staff. And so I think we all have a perspective like that, that we you know what it's like to be a member. And so you can see that and tailor your ministry to that. Mm-hmm. Well, um, you talked a little bit about your uh, studies in piano, but tell us, maybe going back even farther into childhood, I know that you've got, um, you come from a musical family, so tell us about um, music for you growing up, and then maybe some folks don't know um, kind of how that worked um, as an adult and your education and uh, all of that, so tell us about that. Sure. Well, my mother was my first piano teacher. Um, my mother still is a professional musician. She um, still teaches piano. She has taught um, online, taught virtually throughout COVID, and I've been really, really proud of her. But she, she was, um, she. I guess my piano lessons started with me just fooling around on the piano and um, trying to figure things out myself, and then eventually she decided that it was time for me to have actual lessons, but a lot of those lessons were me practicing in one room, and she would be in another room, and she would, you know, yell corrections from that other room, <laughs> be flat, um, but that's, so that would, um, it was not necessarily the kind of formal, regular, weekly lessons that you have if you're not living with your teacher. My father um, was an amateur musician. He was one of those singing preachers that we hear about, you know, <laughs> you may have experienced those. And um, my parents, uh, they actually, after they got married, they got married in 63. And um, in the early years of their marriage, you know, it was the height of um, the popularity of folk music in this country. And my my parents had this shtick that they did. Um, they would 
go around and, and perform folk songs in you know school auditoriums or church fellowship halls or different places like that. And so they would, um, that was just sort of something they did on the side, and my father would sing in, um, in church, and my mother would accompany him. She was often the minister of music and or pianist wherever he was pastor. And um, so they would, you know, they would do that during church and um, grew up singing, you know, in the car on family road trips and things like that. My mother taught us to harmonize. And um, so that was that that was my background. I was her uh, accompanist for her children's choir in church. As soon as I was able to do that, I always accompanied the children's choir and my mother was my first conductor. And so that may explain, I don't know, if that explains something to you. <laughs> that I'm primed to have, a, to have a good relationship with my conductor, I think. So <laughs> my, whoever I'm accompanying. Um, and, and so that was, um, it, you know, all, all of those things that everybody on the podcast has said about growing up in children's choir and youth choir and everything. But I was often playing for them, too. And um, started playing flute in sixth grade, and so continued that through high school, and then went to Samford as a music major, and studied with Betty Sue Shepard, who taught piano at Samford for 50 years, and was our organist at Vestavia for 38 years, and so she was. She became sort of like a second mother, and um, was she interfaced for me with um, the church congregation, too, and I, I think I became closer to a lot of the members of our church through my connection with Betty Sue. And so um, I went, Scott and I got married after we'd been out of college a year or two, and um, we went to, we were looking for graduate school where he could go to seminary and I could do a master's in piano, and we um, we ended up in Fort Worth, Texas, and he went to Southwestern Baptist Theological Seminary, and um, and I did a master's at TCU, and I started in piano and did one year of a piano master's, um, and then I decided that I was sort of done with being in the practice room by myself for six hours a day, and and I really, really liked my musicology professor, and so I switched to musicology and finished the master's in musicology, and then ended up going to UNC Chapel Hill, where Scott and I both did PhDs, and mine was in musicology. And so then um, he got, lo and behold, you know, got this dream job at Samford, and we were going to move back to Birmingham. We did, um, and I connected with Milburn Price, who was dean um, of the Samford School of Music at that time, and Milburn very graciously invited me to teach one music appreciation class a semester um, at that time when we first came back. And so I started, I hit the ground running teaching a little bit at Samford. And that just gradually increased over the years, did a couple sabbatical replacements and um, filling in in other ways. And um, then now I'm in my fourth, I've just finished my fourth year of full-time teaching at Samford in musicology. So along those, along the way, I've done a lot of piano accompanying um, for, you know, probably as much piano accompanying as teaching musicology, but that's, you know, 
that's probably a longer answer than you wanted, Martin. No, that's great. And I, I think there may be some folks who are curious. Um, we, we know that the ology uh, suffix means the study of. So how, how does musicology, how is musicology the study of music? Yeah, well, I joke that we just wanted an ology, that, you know, it was <laughs> it needed to sound a little bit more serious than it did. Um, and so I guess what the, the courses at, the college courses that are now called musicology were once called music history. But musicology, I don't know, it, it has maybe pretensions of grandeur. Um, I don't know. It, it includes music analysis. Um, it includes an analysis of music and culture that is, um, that is a perspective that really comes from ethnomusicology. And so it's not just learning the stories of the composers and the dates and, and that sort of thing, but it's, a, uh, I guess, a more rounded study of music in culture and in history. Mm-hmm. Well, you uh, mentioned a little bit about your family of origin and also about uh, meeting Scott, your husband. Tell us about uh, your two children. Yeah, um, well, William has just finished his freshman year at Auburn. Um, He's a musician, too, but he um, is doing software engineering at Auburn, and he's had a great first year, even though it was during COVID. He, most of his classes were online, but he was able to be on campus in person and actually played in the marching band. They didn't march. They played in, in the stands, and he only got to play in two games, but he got to play in two games, you know, and so that was great. Um, and so he is, um, he has really enjoyed that. He plays the trombone and the euphonium, and he um, grew up doing those things in in our church, too. You know, he would participate in uh, we had a little youth orchestra before you organized the orchestra that we have now. We had a little youth um, brass ensemble, really, that Thad Mullins directed, and um, William played in that. It's part of that. Um, he's going to be an RA at Auburn this next year, and so we're looking forward to that experience for him. Kate has just fin- is, is just finishing now her sophomore year at Vestavia um, High School. And she is, um, she had music lessons too along the way, but her interest, her main interest is art. And she has become very accomplished as um, an artist. She draws and paints and does other kinds of creative things and um, is, is just a, you know, a delightful person. They're, they're so interesting in their own ways. Kate is the one who is curious and the risk taker in the family. You know, she's the one who will say, what happens if I do this? And and then find out, you know. <laughs> the rest of us are a little bit more nervous, I guess. But. <laughs> um, well, I, um, I, want, I want to hear a little bit about your podcast um, since you're uh, sharing with us on the one that I do. I want, I want you to talk about that in just a minute. Um, but I also am curious... Um, about maybe a highlight for you as a performer, um, either uh, soloing or in a a collaborative context. Can you think of a time that was a particular highlight for you? Yeah, great question. Well, we've done wonderful things through um, our church. Our our church has had opportunity to, um, to do 
some worship services that were also really concerts, and those have been highlights for me. But um, the first thing that came to my mind, really, is a collaboration that I did a couple years ago with a church member, Samuel Nordland, um, a cellist. So you're a cellist, and um, you know that that Samuel is um, such a fine musician, and um, he and Caroline uh, both wonderful musicians, half of the Sanford String Quartet, that married couple, and um, you've interviewed them early on in the podcast. And Samuel is, uh, so I played a cello and piano recital with, um, with Samuel. We did a Beethoven cello sonata. And working on that with Samuel and performing it with Samuel, both of those experiences, the rehearsal and the performance, were highlights. Uh, it's partly because of the musician that Samuel is, and it's also partly because of the person. And I, I think that that really does come through in one's playing um, or singing. You you really do hear the person in the music. And, um, you know, as I said, he's just such a fine, fine person. And we connected. Um, you know, we, we connected musically and uh, the the process of working with him was just extremely joyful and rewarding. Um, so, and I'm excited that I'm going to be able to work with both of them this coming school year too. So we'll look forward to more of that. Yeah, great, great. All right, do tell us about your podcast. <laughs> yeah, so uh, it is called Here in Alabama, H-E-A-R, in Alabama, and it is uh, about some of these really rich and fascinating musical cultures that I've gotten to know and and, um, started getting to know through our church, actually. I started going with our church to Perry County, Alabama, a number of years ago to participate in Seed Camp, which um, some of your other podcast guests have mentioned, I think, we um, we would do a sports arts STEM um, camp for the children of Perry County, and I got to know some of those families. And um, if you know anything about Perry County or Alabama's Black Belt, you know that it is an area of the state and an area of the country that is um, that where there is a lot of lack. There is economic lack, and um, there are a lot of um, there's a lot of good work um, being done to try to um, help the communities in Perry County and other counties in the Black Belt. But um, when we went there and getting to know those children and that community in Seed Camp, I just I was struck with the richness there. I was struck with what was there more than with what wasn't there. And the focus sometimes... Um, on a mission-oriented experience is the lack in the community where you're going. But I was just really struck with the richness, and so I wanted to find out more about it and started to put together some collaborations between my Sanford students and the schools in Perry County and one of the churches in Perry County. And um, so the podcast grew up that. The podcast is an effort to, to tell some of those stories that we heard from the communities and to share some of the music um, from those communities because I think it's worth hearing and I think there are people all over the place who will be interested in those stories and interested in that music. 
So that the first season does center on Perry County, and I'm working right now on a second season that comes back to Birmingham, and um, I've interviewed another um, few church members, actually, Walker Burroughs, um, who was a top six finalist on American Idol, um, and several members of the high school brass band, the Mutton Chops. Um, several of them were in our youth group when they were in high school, and um, Demandre Thurman, um, Euphonium Virtuoso, and so that's that episode or that season is coming out soon. The theme for that season will be finding your finding your voice, finding your unique path, and in life and in music, and finding your unique voice. Where can folks find your podcast? Oh, so, well, you can go to my website if you want to. It's www.hereinalabama.com, which is H-E-A-R, in Alabama.com. And the podcast is also on Apple Podcasts and Spotify and SoundCloud and Stitcher. So all of those normal podcast places. Yeah, yeah. great. Well, I um, just thoroughly enjoyed the episodes in the first season, and I'm really looking forward to, to the next season. Thanks. And I'll give a little teaser to um, folks who are listening to this episode um, uh, of our podcast here that um, uh, with you as an experienced podcaster, uh, we're going to turn the tables and um, Beth's going to interview me for the next episode. So I'll be the guest and Beth will be the host. So um, that'll be (laughs) that'll be fun. I hope (laughs) I know it will. I know it will. Oh, yeah, I, I know it will, for sure. <laughs> um, the, uh, the podcast conversations each week, I've concluded with the same question, and I'm um, really eager to hear what your response will be to this, but um, I know you know it's coming. But uh, based on the second half of the Bible verse, John 10, 10, Jesus says, I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. So, uh, Beth, what is bringing you life? Well, you knew that I would be prepared for this, as I'm, I'm sure most of your guests are by now. So I have two answers. One, um, the first answer is I have been, for the past several months, in a habit of getting up, and the very first thing that I do every morning is meditate. Um, so I have, for a long time in my life, I've been interested in various contemplative traditions, um, contemplative prayer, and I'm in, in, interested in mysticism in various formats, but, and, I, and I've meditated um, off and on throughout my life. It's different from prayer, um, but similar in some ways. Um, but I haven't, until now, I haven't had a routine um, and a habit that I do absolutely every day the same way. And for the past several months, I have been doing that. And I, um, I just, nine minutes, you know, it's not a long time. Um, I think I started at maybe six and I've just gradually increased the time, but it's just nine minutes, um, right now, which is enough to make, to have an effect in my life. And I, when I started doing it, I really thought this will change me. I believed this would change me and that it would ripple out to my family and all of the people with whom I'm associated. And I think I see that happening. And I I can see it, I think I can see it in my family. Um, But there's a quote that um, 
I'm going to read to you because I knew the question was coming. <laughs> um, the, the, this quote has come true for me. The time will come when, with elation, you will greet yourself arriving at your own door in your own mirror, and each will smile at the other's welcome. That's by Derek Walcott. And I, um, I've experienced that. It's, um, I, I think I'm just happier to be me than I have been before these, first, these past few months of meditating every single morning, first thing. Um, so that's, that's one thing. That's the first thing. And the second answer has to do with two books that I've read recently. Um, one was uh, a couple years ago. It's called The Hidden Life of Trees, and it made sort of a big splash uh, maybe a year or two, year or two ago. Um, beautiful, beautiful picture book if you get the picture book version. But um, I, I read that a little while ago, and now I've just this week read a book that I think is an account of the research on which The Hidden Life of Trees is based. And this book is called Finding the Mother Tree by Suzanne Simard. I'm not sure if I'm Simard. I'm not sure if I'm pronouncing her name right, but um, she is the researcher, I believe, that found out how um, fungal networks, this vast underground web, connects all of the trees in the forest with other plants and with each other, and that they nourish nourish each other, that they're all interconnected. And it's just a fascinating thing to learn about and so easy to connect to our human relationships. And um, so I, I find myself con um, continually drawing these metaphors after reading this book of how we're connected, the trees are connected. My kids will tell you that trees are my favorite thing. Um, and, and that we're connected in that same way. It's just such a beautiful thing and it makes me it gives me this feeling of awe that is life-giving. Mm. Do you find um, connecting points between your uh, practice of meditation and this idea of our interconnectedness? Does that has that sort of come up in the in the last months that you've been doing that? Yes. So, uh, and back to the trees. The um, Suzanne Simard Simard. Um, this researcher, she writes about how the fungal connections in the forest floor are like our neural connections um, over the synapses in our brains, and that there's this this communication that's going on. That's it's chemical signals in the forest floor, just as it is in our brain, but just as it is interpersonally. That there, I mean, we're communicating in that way now. There's there's this synapse, there's this gap, you know, we're not in the same place, we're seeing each other over Zoom, um, but we're talking, we can see each other, um, we're communicating verbally and non-verbally, and we're exchanging um, <clears throat> being with one another. And I think that that happens, I think that's why my meditation practice has an effect on my family. Um, you know, they don't necessarily have to be doing the same thing for it to have an effect on them, because mm. we are connected. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and and the idea that um, those connections, your thereby your family's connections that you may not have a direct connection to, are uh, are also influenced by your 
your practice of meditation, and it uh, just spreads out in a, in a beautiful web. Yes, and so I can get sort of this grand aspiration about it that I can say, okay, I'm going to sit down and meditate right now this morning for the benefit of everyone everywhere. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And I can actually mean that, you know, (laughs) which is an awesome thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I love that. And I'm so happy that you've found that uh, practice to be meaningful in in those books as well. Very cool. Mm -hmm. Well, I'm looking forward to um, our next conversation, which will be a little bit different. Um, folks have been asking asking for this to happen, uh, for somebody else to interview me. So uh, I appreciate you agreeing to do that in the next episode. And I really appreciate you setting aside time today to chat with me. It's my pleasure, Marty. Thank you. Subscribe to or follow this podcast so you can find new episodes easily. Today's episode concludes with the singing of Gracious Spirit, Dwell With Me.